You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring interim pastor Stephen Usry and pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, everybody. Would you stand and praise our reason why, Jesus Christ. This is our story. We praise you, Jesus.
Whenever uh, Easter Sunday morning arrived, we would always, someone would say, He has risen, and then repeated right back in full voice. The congregation would say, He has risen. Oh, that's y'all too, huh? So let's do that together. He has risen. Hallelujah. And His victory means our victory. So happy Easter. We are so glad you're here. My name is Stephen Usher. I'm the interim senior pastor. Just want to remind you of two things uh, and then and just kind of open us up with a word of prayer, okay? First of all, don't forget to record your attendance with us on the very back of your worship guide. There's a little QR code. We'd love for you to go there. Put your phone over that. Follow that QR code. Let us know you're in worship with us today. And don't forget to give and support the mission of this local church and the work we're doing for Jesus around the world. They're offering plates outside those doors and up front. We'd love for you to give. Now, this morning, scripture, right? This morning, I went back and read the gospel accounts, and uh, I was on the way to, uh, I know I shouldn't be reading and <laughs> driving, but I was on the way to the sunrise service, right? And I'm reading the gospel accounts, and it said, at dawn, just after sunrise, on the first day of the week, the women arrived at the tomb, and the stone was rolled away. <laughs> Guys, the beauty of the gospel is that now you and I have life because Jesus conquered death for us, right? Tonight, when we're, when we're done today, this team's going to lead us in worship. One of the last songs in the, in the song that we're going to sing is Grave, you know, Death, Where Is Your Victory? Grave, Where Is Your Sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ, right? So, welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. Can I just say a word of prayer with you real quickly? Jesus, we have come to applaud you and your great work. Not only on the cross of Calvary, but your triumphant exit from the tomb. Thank you for this day. Receive our songs of praise, Lord. Receive our thanksgiving. And Lord, even as we turn to your word today, transform us, whisper to us, and speak over our souls. We are here to worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for this space and this time. Make it sacred, we pray, by your presence in the name of Christ. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, would you take a minute and say hey to somebody, hug a neck, shake a hand, welcome somebody to worship. Go ahead. Amen. Let's praise the name of Jesus. We'll bring Jesus into our minds. We'll bring Jesus into our hearts. We'll bring Jesus into our lives, into our situations. Jesus, we know who you are, and the reason we're here is to worship you, to bring glory to your name. Sing it out. You are the word of the beginning. One with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you, our Christ. 
you to grab a seat close to you there. And we're going to invite our children forward as they come forward for our children's sermon this morning. So come on, Miss Reverend Amanda Lane is going to be leading us. Hey, while the children are coming forward for their children's sermon time, we want to let you know about a brand new series that's starting next week, all right? Got a brand new series that's going to be an awesome series. So watch this and join us next week. Let me tell you a story. There was a time when Jesus was speaking to the Apostle Peter. Let me tell you a story. 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 Te voy a contar una story. There was a time. There was a time when Jesus was sitting down with people. There was a time when Jesus was in the temple. There was a time when an expert in the Old Testament stood up to test Jesus. And he told him this story. So if you, if you like stories, then I hope that you guys will come back uh, next week and the week after and the week after that because Jesus told stories. That's how he did a lot of his teaching. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story today. What? Um, is there anything special about today? Oh, it's Easter, is it? Okay. Hey, you sit next to me today? All right, yeah. So um, I'm going to read you a story. I want you to listen for these special words that talk about Easter. Candy, eggs, and bunny rabbits. Okay, you got that? If you hear any of those words in my Easter story, I want you to raise your hand. All right. Uh, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning... Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? All right, so who, who heard the word eggs? Oh, in, okay. Uh, who heard the word candy? No. Anybody hear the word Easter bunny? I mean, that was the, that was the Easter story. Why, why didn't I hear those words in there? Yeah, it's not, it's not really about eggs and candy and Easter bunnies. That's fun, isn't it? It's, it's fun to, to celebrate with eggs and with candy and, and um, the Easter bunny coming to our house. But the point of Easter is, is this what you're going to say, Charlie? Yeah. No. So, so the point of Easter is what? Jesus. You're right. Yeah. The point of Easter is that Jesus, who was once dead, is risen. And so um, it's, it's not about candy, not about colored, colored eggs or, um, or the rabbit. It's about Jesus, who saved us. These things, they've become part of our Easter celebration, and that's okay, but we, um, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And did you notice that's what, the, um, that's what the angels, or the men who were at the tomb, that's what they said? When Mary and Martha, or Mary and Joanna, when they came to the tomb, the, the guys said, He's not here, He's risen. Did you notice that? Do you notice that? He is alive. He's not dead. So that is the good news. And that's what Easter is really about. So I hope that when you, here's what I want you to do. When you go home today, when you go home, I want you to tell three people, he's alive. Are you going to say it like that? No. How will you say it? He's alive! You'll be so excited because that is the point of Easter, that Jesus is alive. Can you guys say that with me? Jesus is alive! All right, I hope you will tell everyone because that is good news, my friends. Even people at school. People at school, yeah, they they probably want to know. Well, if they don't celebrate Jesus, that's okay. But you can tell them what you celebrate. So, all right, let's say a prayer. If you guys would put your hands together and pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus. And that he died and rose again. We thank you that he is alive. Amen. All right, y'all can head downstairs with Miss Alethea and everybody else for Children's Church, or you can go sit with your parents. Would you bow our heads and and pray with me? Oh, God, thank you for... For Jesus. Jesus, you are alive. Jesus is alive. There's no greater news than this. Lord, we thank you because you have sent us your son to die for us. 
and to rise again from the dead. Lord, your son Jesus conquered death. No grave could hold him back. No death could hold him back. Lord, we we're so thankful because you have given us an opportunity to also rise again and come back from death. How many of us, Lord, today are dead, spiritually dead? There's something in us that is not right. But because of your Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and rising again from the dead, now we can also live. You have given us an opportunity to be transformed, to be renewed, to have new life in you. O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? Our Lord Jesus Christ, you have proven to us that there is nothing, nothing impossible to you. And because we trust you, we know by faith there is nothing, there is nothing impossible for us as well because you are leading us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we can offer ourselves to you this morning again. Renew our vows with you again. Not only to celebrate that you're risen, but now in you we have new life. Thank you for bringing us as a church back to life. Thank you for bringing us back to life as individuals. Most of all, thank you for the mission that we have to tell and spread the good news of your resurrection wherever we go. Lord, we're so thankful. And we love you. And we pray this prayer, Lord, with our hearts open, with our hopes in you. Praying the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, you, Jesus, who is alive, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My wife and I have three children. They're not really children anymore. They're young adults. But um, uh, like most parents, we wanted to teach our children, like Amanda was doing just a few moments ago, the story of Easter. And in different ways, uh, we tried to tell them and, and teach them about Christ and let our faith go into their hearts. And my wife was incredibly creative. She did these things called uh, resurrection rolls every, every uh, Saturday night right before Easter, the marshmallow put in the tomb and then cooking it and the marshmallow disappears. Where's the body? I mean, the children learned a lot uh, through a lot of different means, but 
um, when, when Abby, my oldest, was young, she's about six years of age, um, I, I would do, well, every, every, if every one of the children, like most parents, I think, we would do story time right before they went to bed. And I would go up to their bedrooms and I would tell them stories and then we'd pray and put them to bed. And on the night before Easter morning, when Abby was about six years of age, I wanted to tell her the Easter story, but I wanted to do it in a little different way. And to this day, by the way, I'm going to move these Easter lilies because I will knock them off. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Anyway, uh, I, I wanted to tell her the story in a very creative way. So I grabbed a couple of beach towels and I headed to her room and I decided that I would tell my daughter the story through a figurative way of helping her understand the story, she would be Jesus. And so I said, do you remember the story about how Jesus went to the garden and he prayed? And she said, yes, Dad. And so I said, why don't you get on your knees by your bed? And that's how our journey began. I said, Jesus went into the garden and he started praying. You remember when he prayed? And I told her, you know, he prayed, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. And I touched her forehead and I said, and Jesus, the Bible says it was like drops of blood, the sweat that was pouring off of him. It was so serious and we told a story about her friends falling asleep. And then, and then I stood her up and I said, do you remember who came to betray him? And she said, yes, Judas. And I said, do you remember how he did it? And I, I kissed her on the cheek and I said, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And I just began to walk my daughter through the story. I, you know, he stood on trial and I, I got a belt and I grabbed her hands like this in the back. I know you're going to think this is child abuse, but it's really not, okay? She was okay. I grabbed her and I held her hands like this and, and they, they yelled, crucify, crucify. And they let Barabbas go, but they took Jesus and he was innocent. And then I, I laid her over the bed and I took, just took my hand like this and I said, they beat his back. And I just kind of did like that on top of her back. You know, and I said, they beat him over and over again. He was bleeding everywhere. And then I stood her up and I said, they, they put a crown of thorns on his head. I, I actually pinched her little head on the top like those little thorns would, you know. And I said, they put a crown on him and then they marched him to the cross. And then I held her hands out like this and I... I reached over and I just kind of pinched inside of her hands to kind of say the nails went in. Can you imagine what it felt like? I, touched, I pinched her little top of her feet. She was all six years old. Can you imagine? And then I, I talked about how the thief on the cross jeered him and another one asked to be in paradise and how Jesus breathed his last and he died. And I just reached up and I closed her eyes. There she was standing in the middle of her little bedroom. <laughs> she standing there like this right here with her eyes closed. And then I said they took Jesus off the cross. I took her off and I laid out the beach towels on her bed and I picked up her little body and I put her on top of the beach towels and I rolled her up in the beach towels. And I said, and they rolled Jesus' body up in linen. And then I grabbed her. Abby had a little bathroom off from her bedroom. And I, I grabbed her and I just carried her, carried her to her bathroom. And I don't know if you, you know how cold the bathroom floor is, you know, dark and cold. I, I just carried, I, I, you're, you're really going, are you thinking bad of your pastor? Am I okay? All right. And so I, car I, carried, I carried her little body and I laid her inside the tub, like inside right next to the tub and left the light off and pulled the door to, left her in the dark. And then I got down, I got down the ground right where the little crack in the door is and I just started I started speaking to her underneath the door. And I said, Jesus, it's gone. Hope was gone. We had no chance. The pure Son of God, who'd never sinned, had been killed. 
I talked to her about how the disciples mourned and how they fled and they ran and how they were scared. And that was day one. I said, in day two, everything was lost. Jesus was in the tomb. He wasn't coming back. It was over. And then I said, but there was day three. There was day three, the day we call Easter. And that day, here's what started happening. And I'm just whispering underneath that little crack in that door. I can't hear anything happening on the other side. I'm wondering what's going on in her little mind, right? That little six-year-old mind. And I said, and then all of a sudden, Jesus' heart began to beat. And his lungs started to breathe. And his eyes started to twitch. And his fingers started to move. Now, I didn't know it. But on the other side of that door, my daughter had shed those beach towels. She was standing, I didn't know it at the time, she was standing right behind that door. You know those little old hollow doors, you know, that's nothing made out of nothing, right? She was standing right behind that door. And then I said, and then all of a sudden the stone rolled away. And I was not ready. My head's just in that little crack on the very bottom. And that, that Abby, my little Abby, she kicked that door. Boom! That whole door shook and I was looking up at it. She opened the door up and the door opened inward, right? I mean, so you can imagine what it sounded like when she's kicking it the wrong direction. She opened up that door and I'm sitting there on the floor looking up at her. She said, Rock, get out of my way. Six years of age. And here was the beautiful thing. I'll never forget the dad because I'm laying down on the floor when she kicked that door and she said, Rock, get out of my way. She came strutting out of that place. I mean, she came like she was Jesus himself coming back to life. And guys, it's one of those moments as a parent that I'll never, ever forget because for me, for me, it was the beauty of a child. Even a child can have faith that God... God, with God, all things are possible, right? And He can bring His Son back from the dead. And the beauty of the Gospel, before I even get to the Scriptures and get to preacher this morning, the beauty of the Gospel is if He did it for Jesus, He's willing to do it for you and for me. For all those who believe, His resurrection is our resurrection. Hey, this morning... In your worship guide, uh, there's a little message outline. I always use a message outline. There's a little one inside your worship guide. I invite you to get out. The scriptures are on it. The points that I'm going to share with you are on it. As a matter of fact, I, I, I like to say it this way. You are welcome to engage with that outline any way that you want to. It's just something I've been doing for years, and it helps me, uh, and I think it helps you. My hope today is that you're going to hear some scriptures that are going to speak to you, but I, I also think that there's a possibility you're going to learn something today you've never known. So I invite you to take a, uh, take a pen and the feet back in front of you, engage with the text. What we're going to do today is we're going to read the gospel in four different versions. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to read the Easter story in some facet, form, or function from each one of them, and they have something to teach us. Now before I get there, you'll notice the sermon title is called The Greatest Comeback in History, right? The Greatest Comeback Ever. When I was six years old, and I'm dating myself, when I was six years old, there was a, a wonderful man that I'd love to meet one day who, who started a series of movies. To me, they're the greatest movies that have ever been done. Now, other people look at me and go, oh, you're juvenile, okay? But they were the greatest movies, and they, uh, the guy's name is Sylvester Stallone. He, he did a movie called Rocky, Rocky Balboa, right? 
And uh, as a six-year-old boy, I went to the theater and I watched uh, this incredible movie, the story of an underdog, the story of coming back with that with, to, to get victory, which seemed like it, it was impossible to do. Now, I got to tell you, for a six-year-old, not only with Rocky 1, then Rocky 2, then Rocky 3, then Rocky 4, right? I mean, every time I watched those movies as a young person and then into my teens, when they played that theme song, I mean, I wanted to get out of my movie theater and just fight somebody, right? I mean, there's a, there was a, don't we love a comeback story? I'm going to be honest with you. I went home after every one of those movies, especially when I was like six or seven years old, and those, those couch cushions, they took a beating because I was Rocky, right? I, I, we love it. We love those stories. Today, what I want to celebrate with you is, without a doubt, you can talk about comeback stories. There's all kinds of them. Movies are made out of them. The greatest comeback in the history of humanity was Jesus coming back from the dead. It changed everything. And it is the greatest comeback story. Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. From death to life, he called him out of the tomb and he was resurrected. Jesus, right before that, looked at Martha and he said, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He was trying to communicate something to Martha about who he was and why he came to this planet. Real quickly, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want to talk about four comebacks that you can have because of Jesus' triumph over the grave. And the first one is, number one, you can write in there, I can come back from despair. It's a little picture of what Matthew gives us, okay? Matthew, listen to the, how he records the account. And it's a little different. Each gospel is a little different. How he records the account of Jesus' resurrection. The Bible says in Matthew 27, Joseph took the body. Now get that. He took the body. It's very clear Jesus is dead. It's a body. It's not even, he didn't take Jesus. He took the dead body. And what did he do? It says he wrapped it up in a clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb. And then he went away. And then we get this beautiful picture. Now listen, actually it's not a beautiful picture. It's a hard picture. It says this, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. These are two women who loved Jesus so much. They followed Jesus. They'd given Jesus their life. They loved Jesus. They believed He was the Messiah. And then they watched Him die a gruesome death on a cross. And not only that, then they watched Him be wrapped up, placed in a tomb, sealed up, Game over. Game over. Everything they'd hoped for, everything they dreamed of, it was gone. And here's the idea. They're sitting in front of a tomb. Put yourself in their place. Maybe you've experienced death before. Somebody you loved, and all of a sudden there's this massive void in your heart. You don't even know. You don't even care about tomorrow. All you care about is today. And they're sitting there in that sadness and that despair. What they had hoped for just seemed shattered. There's this, this game over, right? But there's this beautiful picture of what God does to, to be able to help us get beyond and move beyond our despair. Now, what is despair? Despair is sadness, loneliness, it's sorrow, it's grief. And by the way, it's very real. In our culture, there are so many people who struggle from, from loneliness and depression. There's so much struggle for even mental, mental health and mental illness. What the Bible teaches is that even though they were trapped in that horrible moment, and in their mind, no hope of the future. No way beyond this. He's not coming back. 
Listen to what the Bible says. This is still Matthew's account. The Bible says later on, after the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, there they are, they're the ones who were sitting outside the tomb. Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I like the way that puts that. What are they going for? We know they were going to go uh, put spices on the body, but it's almost like they were going to go one more time, sit in front of the tomb and go, oh my gosh, everything's over, right? They're going to go look at the tomb. And the Bible says it this way. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone, he sat on it, and the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. And then this beautiful picture. You've been looking at this tomb, and this tomb has looked like it's death to you. You've been so sad. You've been mourning. No, no, no. Come on inside the tomb. Come inside. Come, 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 come. Look where he was. You see how it says, come and see where his body lay. Come and see the place where he lay. All of a sudden, they probably didn't know what it really meant, but the despair started to evaporate. By the way, if you are hurting, and God brought you here to church this morning, please know this. He knows everything about you. And you can be in a crowd just like this, but he knows the person in this, in this room who has suffered more despair than anybody else. And there are some people who have struggled more with loneliness and sadness and hurt and grief, and they just had a harder journey. And I want you to know God knows you. And He wants you to understand that He, the resurrection, can have power in your life to even help you through the sorrow and the despair that you might feel even on a regular, daily basis. It can be your power and can give you hope. That's Matthew's account. Let's read Mark's account. There's another kind of comeback when you read Mark's story, and I call it the comeback from defeat. You might want to write that in that blank. You can make a comeback from defeat. Here's what it said in Mark. Um, the angel says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. Okay, not just tell his disciples, but tell his disciples and Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you'll see him just as he told you. Now, this is the story here. You know Peter's story, right? Peter's the one who was, who was the man of men, right? Peter said, everybody else can run away from you, but not me. I won't fade. I won't flinch. I won't run. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Not me. No way. And you know the story, right? Three different times, not only did he say, I, I don't know the man, he said, I, I'm, I'm certainly not a follower, and even used cuss words to do it so he could make it sound like he was as far as away from Jesus as he could be. He completely failed. He completely blew it. He completely suffered defeat. When he wanted, the moment he wanted to be there the most for Jesus was the moment that he crashed and the moment that he burned. Now, here's the reality, church. There's not a person in this crowd today who's not going to fail. Tell you it's a part of life. Every one of us is going to fail. We're going to we're going to blow it, and sometimes we're going to blow it, and it's going to look like it's irredeemable. You can't fix it. You've messed this up so bad it cannot be fixed. That was Peter. Peter Peter was so blown away he 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 went back to fishing. Literally went back to fishing. He thought I'm going to go do what I I really know how to do because I'm not very good at this. But if you remember the story, that angel said. Tell the disciples, and you make sure to tell Peter, go up on in Galilee and you'll meet him there. You know what the angel was saying? God has a message for Peter. God's going to restore Peter. And I think God's word for you and for me. Listen now, listen. So many times in our culture today, people experience failure. It's not like it used to be. 
We used to look at failure. Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, we would say, look at them. They failed 3,000 times, but they kept on going. And everybody would applaud their failures because they ended in triumph. These days, when somebody fails, oh, they don't, they don't take it like it's, it's an event. By the way, failure is an event. Failure is an event. It's not an identity. Okay, but so many people in this culture today, they fail and they make it their identity. That's where probably where Peter was. He was going to be a failure from that moment on. No, 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 no. It was an event. And Jesus restores him on a beach, puts him back on mission, sets him right and looks at him and says, Peter, 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 do you love me? Go feed my sheep. He's just, it's like it never happened. And Jesus forgives him. Listen, if you've got despair, the resurrection can be your comeback from despair. If you've got failure, defeat, if you've blown it, the resurrection can be your comeback there. Write this one down. I call it the comeback. This is Luke's story. The comeback from doubt. You can come back from doubt. By the way, I want to read a couple of passages of scriptures. And if you have your pen, I would, I would, I'd, I'd like to invite you to play a game with me. It's kind of like Amanda's game, except for it's a real game, Amanda. Um, there's no Easter bunny eggs or, you know, uh, words like that. What I want you to do is I'm going to read a few scriptures. And it's going to be about the people who were, were encountering the risen Jesus. And what I want you to look for is I want you to listen for emotions. And every time you get to emotion or a, a status of being, underline it or circle it, okay? So read it with me. In, cha- in Luke chapter 24, in their fright, well, that's the first one you should underline that word, right? In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. So what's the first thing we learned? The women, when they, when, they, when they figured this out, that he was alive, the first emotion they had was what? Fear. Right? Fear. Luke not only wrote the Gospel, Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Listen to what he says in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. By the way, I don't know about you, but if I saw a guy die and then be put in a tomb and you wanted me to believe that he's alive, I would need many convincing proofs. And, and Luke says, that's what Jesus gave. He gave them in many different ways. He, he met people in crowds. He met them in small groups. He met them in the different geographic zones. He met them over and over again, showing them his physical body. Let's read one story and look for these emotions again. Ready? Luke says in chapter 24, this is the risen Jesus. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. That's the disciples. And he said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and Frightened, frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, see the doubt, you see the doubt? While they still did not believe it because of joy, there's a word, and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Guys, the idea here is in your world, in your private world, you, you don't live this monolithic, you know, uh, nice little white and black world. You, you live in a world of grays all the time. You have all kinds of emotions. And at the very moment you can, you can uh, you know, have hope, you can also be struggling with another thing you're worried about, right? You can be concerned about this and you can have, you know, a really success going on over here. 
But what I want to tell you, now listen, I don't think it's said often enough from the pulpit. People need to hear this in church. Christians need to hear this. Doubts are normal. Doubts are, you, if you find the biggest, baddest, strongest giant of a Christian you'll ever have, you'll still find a person that has a bad day and struggles with doubt. And what I want to say to you is that, listen now, faith, faith ebbs and flows. And sometimes your faith may seem incredibly strong and there'll be other days where you're going, God, help me believe today, Lord. I, I, I don't feel, I just don't feel like I normally would. I don't, I'm having a hard time believing. And I think the message here is Jesus looking at them and he's saying, touch this, touch this. And they're like, I can't, can't be, can't be, can't be. He's saying, listen, listen, let your doubts go. Let your doubts go. What he's trying to help them understand is, listen, God loves, even when we're doubting, he loves to give us convincing proofs. So I think the most important thing is just being real with God, right? That's what they were doing, startled, troubled, afraid. They were being real with God. And in the middle of it, he was increasing their faith and removing their doubt, even as he revealed himself as alive. You can come back from despair. You can come back from defeat. When you've blown it, you can come back from doubts. But the fourth one is the most important one, and you cannot miss this. It's by far the most important one. You might want to write it on your outline. You can come back from death. You can come back from death. You know, the Bible says uh, when, when Jesus showed up to, to, to Lazarus' tomb and he was dead, Jesus was sitting there with Martha. And he, he tried to, this is long before the, the Jerusalem and the, the trial and the cross and Gethsemane and the tomb, long before that. He's wanting to help Martha learn something about the Easter story early. And so right before he calls Lazarus out of the tomb and resurrects from death, he looks, he looks at Martha and he tells her something, but you've got to also notice that he asks her something. So he looks, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Hey, listen, church, look up at me for just a minute. Those words that I just said are the very words, they're the first words that I speak at every funeral. When all the family gathers and people come in and the casket is brought to the front, the very first words I always share are those words. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in this, even though they die, yet shall they live and they shall not die. Why do I share that? Because Jesus, that's, that's, that's the Easter story in a nutshell. If you believe, if you just believe. He looked at Martha, and you've got to get this. He looked at Martha after he said those words. And he looked at her. Just, just picture you and Jesus, eye to eye. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe it? You see, the whole story here is, <laughs> if you really, really believe that even though, even though they, we, we talk about death, what's really going to happen is you're just going to change addresses. You're going to fall asleep here. You're going to wake up there. If you really believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you will have eternal life. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but before Billy Graham died, 
a lot of news articles would come out over and over again, sometimes reports, almost like the, the so, fake news, you know, stuff over social media. Billy Graham is dead, and then it would be a fake and a hoax, right? Billy Graham is dead. Everybody go, Billy Graham's dead? No, he wasn't dead. It was just people spreading fake news. And then Billy Graham wrote the last book he ever wrote, and he wrote it about heaven. You know what he wrote in that book? He said this. He said, one day you are going to hear, because people had already been hearing this, he said, one day you are going to hear that Billy Graham has died. And then he wrote in that book, don't believe a word of it. I will be more alive than I have ever been. See, I was trying to explain this to the 8.30 crowd this morning. Boy, we had a crowd this morning. Um, you know, I was talking about Abigail earlier. Little six-year-old Abigail. Uh, Abigail, Andrew, and Alex, my three little children, at some point, each one of them, before they even got to be six years of age, each one of them, heard the stories of Jesus, were a part of the church, and each one of them professed their own faith in Jesus Christ. They professed their own faith that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And here's the beautiful thing. If you track with me on that, six years old. See, I think one of the things people miss about Christianity is the beauty of Christianity is you don't have to go do this, do this, go do that, do, do. Christianity is not spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's already been done. And God took the bar. Watch this. You want, you want heaven? God took the bar and He lowered it all the way down. Way, way down for even the youngest person. Why? God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes. All you have to do is believe. It's not you have to go do this or do that. All you have to do is believe and you can have eternal life. You talk about the greatest comeback. Are you kidding me? Yes. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is believe. And if you came to church this morning, it's okay if you're struggling with doubts. It's okay if you're struggling with despair. It's okay if you've blown it and you've had defeat in your world. At least hold on to point number four. At least hold on to this understanding. God, I believe. Go ahead and I believe today, Easter Sunday, 2023, write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe. I ask for eternity with you and it will be done. I promise you. Hey, as I close, I want to share a little story, okay? And it's, I'm, I'm kind of being a little confessional, all right? Um, I learned something new in the last couple of weeks about Jesus that I'd never known before. And I've been a Christian for a pretty long time. And I've been reading the Bible for a pretty long time. But I ran across two scriptures that I'd always read and I thought they meant the same thing. And God opened my mind to something. Can I, can I, I want to give it to you as a gift this Easter Sunday if I can, okay? So the first one is, we're, we're talking about John, right? Point number four is all about John's gospel, right? In John chapter 20, the second to the last chapter of his gospel, John, he's about to close out his book. He's about to close out of his story. And this is what he says. He says, chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. I've read that scripture a lot of times, okay? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, and these were written. And so he's, that's, but this is like the second to the last chapter. Now, in the last chapter, all you got to do is turn one page, and you read the last verse of the whole gospel. 
he says something very similar. And I always thought these were exactly the same things. In chapter 21, he said it this way. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. Sounds similar to me, right? Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I always read John 20 and then John 21, the last verse of the book, like, is he saying the same thing? I think he's saying the same thing. But then I went and looked back at it. Look at your outline there. John chapter 20 says it this way. And then Jesus performed many other miracles in the presence of his disciples. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what that means? 30 to 33 A.D. It's a very time block. It's a, it's a, it's a, this is a little window. And what he's saying is, there were many other miracles. I couldn't get them all in my book. There were many miracles that were performed, and these that are in my book were in the three-year period here, and they are written here so that you may believe. That's what he said in chapter 20. But that's not what he said in 21. I always got it confused. In chapter 21, he says, and Jesus did many other things. What's those next two words? As well. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And this is when the Holy Spirit opened my mind. This is the last verse of the Gospel of John. What's the first verse of the Gospel of John? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. See, John doesn't start at the story of Mary, the story of Bethlehem, like all the other Gospels does. John starts at the very beginning before the foundation of the world. And John says Jesus has been preexistent through all, all of time. He's been operative and operative. And then he came to this earth for just a little while. But he's, Jesus has been doing and doing and doing. He says, and then he says this, he's done so many things. I suppose that all the things he's done, not, not all the books in the world could record those things. And all of a sudden, my mind opened up. Just think with me for a minute. How many people are in this room today? How many people are watching online? Just think with me just for a moment about what Jesus has done just in your world and the stories Jesus has done in your, in your world and the stories Jesus has done in your world and in your world and in your world. And this is just a room of people. See, this is not a block of three years. This is the block of all of time. And John closes down his Gospels by saying, listen, if you could only see what Jesus has done throughout all of time, what he's done in all these peoples of all who's lived across all the time in all the places of the world, I suppose not even all the books that could ever be written could hold all the things that Jesus has done. Now, if you can hold on to that, what I want you to get is we're talking about why, why in the world would you say it's the greatest comeback in history? Are you kidding me? I tell you, he's still alive. I talked to him this morning. He's still alive. And he's still doing things in people's lives. And the books would still be having to be written because he is alive. Pray with me, church. Jesus, we thank you for the Gospels that each one of them gives us a different picture of, of what you did in conquering the grave. And Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son, the perfect Lamb, a spotless Lamb, to come and redeem us and wash us clean, remove our sin and the stain from us. And God, we hear the story today. We hear that we can come back from despair. Remind us of that. 
Help us to stand on that rock when we're at our loneliest and hurtful and in places of sorrow and grief. Help us to stand on that rock and remember our sadness will not last forever. God, help us in our moment of defeat when we fail to lean on Your victory. Lord, help us in that moment when we doubt to lean into Your words of faith, into Your words. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus, You would let Your faith, Your strength, Your presence arise in our life. Thank You for Easter. Thank You that we are an Easter people, God. Help us to live in the power of the resurrection. Your Word says that the power that raised Jesus from the grave is at work in those who believe. So let your power be at work in us as moms and dads and as grandparents and as children, God, in our schools and our workplaces. Let your resurrection power be strong in our lives. Lord, help us in the name of Jesus to one day cross over this life because every one of us in this place is going to one day breathe our last and step into the eternity and make our own comeback because, Jesus, what you have done in conquering death in the grave for us. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray this in your most holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? I'll do this moment. I'll just invite you to worship with us with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. The reason one. Sing it out and worship his name. Stars they wet, the morning sun is set. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood pour out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. Oh! 
Thanks for being with us this Easter Sunday. Now remember, you, you are an Easter people. You are a people of the resurrection. Go this week and be His resurrected power. Be His voice, be His hands, be His feet to a world that is dying. Go and be the Easter people. And may His presence surround you. And may life flow where you go. In the name of Christ. Amen. Happy Easter.
You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.